Welcome back to the Word Encounter episode 220, where today we'll be picking things up in the book of Acts chapter 3. Before we get started, um, I don't think I've said this, maybe I've said it once, but this is something I really, really, really and truly believe that people need to pay attention to when it comes to reading the Word. From my perspective, in my opinion, you can read the Word from two perspectives. You can read the Word in order to glean information, or you can read the Word for revelation. Depending on how you approach the Word is exactly what you're going to get out of it. If you read the Word to get information, information is what you'll get. You'll get a plethora of information. You'll get a ton of information. But that's all you'll get. You'll get information you won't receive in impartation because that's not what you're seeking. However, if you are reading the Word in order to hear from God, in order to get revelation from the Lord, in order to get an impartation from the Lord so that your life can be changed— then that is what you will get. And so there are many people, many scholars who read the word, who read the Bible for informational purposes, and that's what they get. And they write on that information from a scholarly standpoint. But for those people who are seeking the voice of the Lord, for those people who are seeking to have their lives altered and changed, for those who are seeking to see, uh, to, to serve the Lord God Almighty, when you read the Bible, uh, revelation and impartation is your portion. That is what you will get. So depending on what it is you're seeking, that is uh, that is the thing that you will find. And so I think this is very important as we're going through this word to understand those different perspectives. With that, let's get started in Acts chapter 3. And it says, healing of a lame man. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, no, notice this. It says, Peter and John were going up to the time of prayer. They just had a regular time of prayer. This was at three in the afternoon. It was just part of their lifestyle. Now, this is a change I have to make in my life. I, I have to make a, a, a dedicated time, you know, in order to pray to the Lord and, and, and not do so out of obedience, but do so out of a desire to commune with him, out of a desire to hear from him, out of a desire to be with him. That is sorely lacking in my life. And so that is a change that I have to make. Um, verse 2. A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple called Beautiful so that he could beg from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting uh, to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. You see, so G so Peter spoke the word. He, he gave him the word. He said, silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up, get up, get up and walk. And he didn't just uh, say that. Then he went over, took him by the hand, and raised him up. See, Peter had faith, and then he was putting his faith into action. He just didn't say, get up and walk. He said, get up and walk. Then he went over there, took his hand, and raised him up. It says, at once his feet and ankles became strong, so he jumped up and started to walk. And he entered the temple uh, with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. <clears throat> and so we see that who got the glory for this man walking? See, it wasn't Peter. The man got up, leaping, walking, and praising God. <clears throat> Preaching in Solomon's uh, colonnade, in verse 11. 
While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran towards him uh, in what was called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people. Fellow Israelites, why, why are you amazed at this? See, they had just seen a miracle, and Peter is challenging their faith. And so he's saying, why are you amazed at this? Now, it wasn't too long ago that that was Peter's reaction. They were amazed at everything that they saw Jesus doing. But now he was doing things. And so he's saying, fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? And then he says something very critical. He says, why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? See, so Peter is, is, is very cognizant. He's very careful here not to assume the Lord's glory. See, so he's saying, look, why are you staring at us as if we're God, as if, as if this miracle came from us? No, 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 no. In verse 13, he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, um, whom you handed, who, by the way, you handed over and, um, and denied before Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer released uh, to you instead of him. It says you killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in his name. His name has been his name has made this man strong whom you see now. Who excuse me, who you see and know you see this man, you know him, you know that he couldn't walk. You see that he can walk now. You know him. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of you all. Verse 17, Peter says, And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance, uh, just as your leaders also did. So Peter is now saying, you did all these evil things to Jesus and whatnot. And he's pointing all these things out to the people. But then he says, now, brothers and sisters, I know it was out of ignorance that you did those things. See, So he's, give, he, he's given them... Um, He's given them uh, insight into what has gone on. He's given them, he's in, in essence revealing the scripture to them because uh, scripture said that this had to happen. And then Peter's saying, look, but you didn't, I know that you didn't know what you were doing. In this way, God fulfilled what he had uh, predicted through all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. And so Peter said, look, you did all you did. Uh, you did all you did. It was out of ignorance. But the scripture said that this is exactly what would happen. But you can still redeem yourself. See, he says, just repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. What you did in the past was wrong, but that doesn't have to hold you back. Just acknowledge that it was wrong. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways, see, and your sins will be wiped clean. Verse 19, uh, no, I already read that. Verse 20, it says, uh, well, let's go back to 19. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons uh, of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of the of the restoration of all things, which God spoke through uh, spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. Verse 22, it says, Moses said, the Lord, your God will rise up, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to everything he tells you. And everyone who does not listen to the prophet will be completely cut off from the people. And so Peter's now educating them on who Jesus was. The one that they had wanted to be crucified and 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 embarrassed and humiliated—that 
the word is speaking about this man. And so he's educating them on who this Jesus was. <clears throat> In verse 26, it says, God raised up his servant and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. And so this man that you looked at sideways, this man that you had crucified, humiliated and killed, you know, this man is actually your Messiah. He's your savior. And I realize that what you did was out of ignorance, but you don't have to be held in that place. You can turn from that place, recognize and acknowledge who he is. And it says that he was sent first to bless you by turning each one of you from your evil ways. Just recognize and acknowledge him. In essence, is what Peter is telling him. In chapter four, it says, Peter and John arrested. It says, while they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them. Because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So remember, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees did, but the Sadducees didn't. And so they are annoyed uh, with Peter and John here because they're teaching and preaching about the, the resurrection. And so this has really gotten on their nerves. Now, the other the scribes and other Pharisees, they were annoyed for other reasons. But the Sadducees, they didn't they were not down with this resurrection thing, even though Jesus pointed out to them how the resurrection was true, because when he pointed out to them, Old Testament scripture with regard to David saying, you know, the Lord of my Lord, it says, how can Jesus be his Lord if he's his son? And so Jesus is trying to prove to them that, OK, there is resurrection. Okay, he's also did that with the with the story of the um, uh, of the seven uh, the seven brothers, you know, as far as uh, marrying one woman, each brother died, and then the woman ended up dying. So the Sadducees said, "Well, whose wife is she going to be? You know, in the in, in the hereafter? In other words, after resurrection, whose wife is she going to be?" And Jesus knew that they were questioning him about the resurrection, not about whose wife she was going to be. But anyway, verse three, it says, "So they seized them and took them into custody." Until the next day, that, that'd be Peter and John, uh, since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So we see that when Peter was preaching, it was powerful preaching. All he was doing was preaching the truth. He was just preaching the gospel. And people were coming to the saving grace knowledge. Through, P through Peter's mouth, he was, he was infused, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and doing nothing but preaching the gospel. Peter and John faced the Jewish leadership in verse five. The next day, the rulers, elders and scribes uh, assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander and all the members of the high priestly family. So all the the the, the hoo-hahs, all the poobahs of the Sanhedrin, all of the 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 the, the, the main folks as far as the religious leadership. Uh, came in to discuss this matter. After they had Peter and John stand before them, and they, they began to question them. By what power or in what name have you done these things? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. See, this is the key here. Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of the people, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means uh, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. So Peter is saying, look, 
this disabled man, everybody knows he was a disabled man. You ask me by whose name? It says by Jesus, the one that you crucified and the one that God, in fact, raised from the dead. It is by his name that this man stands here healthy before you. In verse 11, this Jesus, the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. This is Peter with bold proclamations filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching and educating people on what the deal is. There is no timidity in him. You know, remember, uh, remember, Jesus said, you will come before rulers and kings and princes and whatnot. Don't worry about what to say. You will be filled with what to say. And this is an example of that. Peter is being filled. Peter, is, This isn't coming from Peter's mind. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He can't contain it. He is allowing the Holy Spirit to have its way with him. The boldness of the disciples in verse 23 and verse 13. Then they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men. You see, the, 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 the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the religious council and all this, they recognize, wait, these guys, they're not trained in our ways. They're not trained in, in, the, in the scriptures. They're not. But this confidence, this boldness, where is this coming from? They realize this. And then the word says they were amazed. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. See, this was unusual. <laughs> and since they saw the man who had been healed standing in front of them, they had nothing to say in opposition. They had evidence of what Peter was saying standing right there. So they couldn't say anything. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves saying, what should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. So he had the leadership saying, look, he's done this. They've done this in public. Everybody has witnessed it. Everybody has seen it. We can't deny this. What are we going to do? So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. That's what they decided to do. <laughs> in verse 19, uh, Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. The, the answer is obvious that. They're saying, look, you think we're going to listen to God and not, I mean, you think we're going to listen to you and not God? Okay, you decide on what you think we're going to do. In verse 20, it says, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. For we are unable. It's, it's not that we have decided that we're not going to listen to you, we're going to listen to God. We've made that decision. No, no, no. The word says, that Peter says, for we are unable. Even if we wanted to, we couldn't stop. We are not capable of not speaking about what we have seen or heard. <clears throat> Prayer for boldness in verse 23. After they were released, uh, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. And so they started praising God in verse 29. It says, And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 
Then they had prayed, or when they had prayed, uh, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Wow. And so they came back. They told all their partners, they said, look, the Sanhedrin brought us before them, and this is what happened. They came back. They all celebrated. They all praised the Lord. They prayed. And then what was God's response? The Holy Spirit came on them, and they started all speaking the word boldly. And so the Sanhedrin were trying to mute uh, Peter and John, and what did they get in return? All of the disciples started speaking boldly in the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the word of the Lord. All things in common. Here we go with, with part of Acts that just challenges me with regard to how does this translate into, into present day times. Verse 32. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they, uh, but instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on them all. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what they sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. Uh, this was then distributed to each person as any had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyrus, or from Cyprus by birth, uh, the one the apostles also called Barnabas, was translated as son of encouragement. That's a great name. Verse 37. So Barnabas sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now it says that Barnabas sold a field that he owned. It didn't say he sold all that he owned. It says he sold a field that he owned. And so that's critical for the next uh, section here in chapter 5. Because it says lying to the Holy Spirit. Mm. It says in verse 1 of chapter 5, A man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. Okay, it didn't say they sold their, all their property. It says they sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge. And so apparently when the practice was if you sold a piece of property or something, you would bring all of the proceeds to the apostles so that it could be distributed to those in need. <clears throat> they sold a piece of property, but I guess decided amongst them that they weren't going to bring everything, that they were going to keep a portion of it back for themselves. However, he kept back a part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet, at the apostles' feet. So this could be like, you know, everybody is, you know, Barnabas was selling uh, a piece of property, landing at the apostles' feet. Other people were selling things and landing at the apostles' feet. And I guess I can imagine that the assumption was that everything that people was were bringing were the entirety of the proceeds of that which was uh, sold. And so here comes uh, Ananias and Sapphira, and I guess, you know, <laughs> that they're making the same presentation, making it seem like they're bringing everything that was sold, all the proceeds uh, from a sale of a piece of property. You know, and, and, and I can imagine that a lot of times people will do things in order to, uh, to glean the same degree of appreciation that other people have done, but they're not doing exactly the same thing that everybody else is doing as they're keeping a portion for themselves. In verse 3, Ananias, Peter asked, 
Why has Satan filled your heart? That's a, that's a heck of a question. <laughs> Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back a part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it, your, wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you plan this thing in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead. And a great fear came on all who heard about this. I would imagine so. <laughs> I would imagine so. In this account here, uh, Peter doesn't even give Ananias a, a, a chance to respond. <laughs> you know, he just tells him what he did, what the deal was, and how this is not acceptable. You haven't, you know, come against God in this matter. I mean, against people in this matter. You've come against God. You've lied to God. The young man got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. Verse 7. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Uh-oh. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. So I believe what Peter said is he saw that the that the money that Ananias came in and he knew that that was not what the uh, property sold for. And so let's say it was $10,000 and let's say the property sold for uh, he brought in $10,000 and let's say uh, the property sold for $15,000. OK, and so Peter is asking his wife, you know, did this property sell for $10,000? And she says, yes, for that price, knowing that they sold it for fifteen. Then Peter said to her, why did you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out as well. Oh, goodness. Can you imagine? She says, look, Peter says, look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door. So I, I imagine that <laughs> that their feet could be seen. Maybe their bodies couldn't. And Peter is pointing out to uh, to the feet of the one the pallbearers essentially of her husband. Says, "Look at those feet. They're going to carry you as well." Instantly, she dropped dead at his feet. Then the young men came in. They found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Then a great fear came on the whole church and all who heard these things. Don't lie to God. To me, that's the moral of the story here. Don't lie to God. Apostolic signs and wonders. Better you sin and tell God the truth than to sin and lie about it. Try to skate around it. You know, try to not let anybody else know what you did. <laughs> Fess up, man. Fess up. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. They just wanted to get in Peter's shadow to be healed. So filled with the Holy Spirit was Peter. See, his reputation preceded him. They just wanted to get in the shadow. In addition, a multitude came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Imagine if there was a hospital known anywhere in the world 
for 100% cure rate of cancer. That place would be flooded from people all over the world. That's essentially what was happening here. People were bringing folk from everywhere because Peter's reputation and the, the apostles' reputation preceded them. They just wanted to get in their shadow. In and out of prison, in verse 17, then the high priest rode up, rose up, uh, he and all who were with them, who belonged to the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. And see, was, see, some some people, uh, the Pharisees seemed like they were filled with with them. Um, they were upset with Jesus because they thought that he was going to take their power. The Sadducees here, they're filled with je jealousy. It seems like they want the power, but they don't have it. So it's, the word here says they're filled with jealousy. So they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail during the night, brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and tell the people all about this life. And so the angels came in, let them out of jail, said, go, go, but don't keep your mouth shut. <laughs> you know, don't, don't go hide away. No, go public and keep telling people all about this life in Christ. Hearing this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. It says the apostles on trial again. When the high priest and those who were with him arrived, um, with them arrived, well, excuse me, when the high priest and those who were with him arrived, they convened the Sanhedrin, the full council of the Israelites, and sent orders to the jail to have them brought. But when the servants got there, they did not find them in jail, so they returned to report. So remember, the angels let them out of jail and went and told them to go preach. And so they were in the temple preaching, but you know the, the, the Sanhedrin, they didn't know this. So they went to get them out of jail to bring them before the council, and they sent some boys to get them, but they weren't there. But when the servants got there, they did not find them in jail, so they returned and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing in front of the doors, but when we opened them, no one was found inside. The guards were there, the door was locked, but they weren't there. Some came and reported to them, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple and teaching the people. After they brought them in, uh, they had them stand before the Sanhedrin and the high priest asked, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in his name? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than people. Amen. Then God, uh, oh, the God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you have murdered and whom you have murdered by hanging him on a tree. Gamaliel's advice. And so the apostles told the, the Sanhedrin, look, we, we, we got to obey God. We can't obey you. You know, we're obeying Jesus, the one that you killed, by the way. And so then Gamaliel, who is, well, let, let me go on. Verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill him. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was respected by all the people, not just the religious people, but he must have had just tremendous respect by everybody. And we'll see why here in a second. He stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be taken out for a little while. He said to them, men of Israel, be careful about what you're about to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodius rose up claiming to be somebody and a group of about 400 men rallied with him or rallied to him. He was killed and all his followers were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas the Galilean rose up. This is a different Judas, not the one who betrayed Jesus, rose up in the days of the census and attracted a following. 
he also perished and all his followers were scattered. So he named two two instances, two guys rose up, thought they were something. They were um, uh, they were dealt with and all their followers were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this work of uh, for if this plan or this work is of human origin, it will fail. But he goes on. However, if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. The word says they were persuaded by his words. After they called in the apostles and had them flogged, <laughs> they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and released them. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy of being treated shamefully on behalf of the name of Jesus. Every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And so uh, because they were beaten, because they were flogged, they came out and what their, what was their reaction to being flogged? They rejoiced for they now felt they were worthy of being treated the way Jesus was treated. That is incredible. And with that, we are done for the day. We'll pick it up in um, Acts chapter 6 tomorrow. Do not forget the invitation that is consistently going out from Jesus, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the word says that you shall be saved. And with that, we are done. We'll pick things up tomorrow should the Lord allow us to be here. Everybody stay safe. Be blessed. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.